Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire women. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sarah Bryce, to the podcast. She's an RN, a boy mom, a women's health nurse, and has her own twisted story in her women's health journey. And for those of you who are Bachelor fans, you might recognize her as the winner of Bachelor Season 7 with Charlie O'Connell. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I love this new podcast that you're doing. Thank you. Well, we are are thrilled to have you and to kind of share your life story um, or a piece of it. Um, I feel like that whenever we share our stories and we kind of own our experience, it just empowers other women who might um, be in the similar boat. Absolutely. I mean, I know just with my own health situation that I've gone through, um, you know, I feel like it's so important. Not many women are open to talking about a lot of things when it comes to their vaginal health. Um, but it's very important and it's important for women to not just sit there and suffer in silence because a lot of people are going through the same things and we can all help each other. Absolutely. And the vagina should not be taboo. (laughs) The vulva should not be taboo. Exactly. So yes, you know, hiding our tampons and pretending like we're just fine when we're going through an ectopic or whatever, you know, like all of the things that we try to just um, suck it up and hide it. So exactly. Um, all right. So you are a nurse. Kind of tell us about your journey in nursing. Sure. So um, I started out doing labor and delivery, which was very exciting. Um, I worked nights. I started out at Presby Dallas and worked the night shift. And then after my experience on The Bachelor, I moved to California and I did labor and delivery there um, at Cedar sinai and Beverly Hills. And then also at, um, at St. John's in, San- in Santa Monica. And that was, I mean, looking back at that experience, it was such a, you know, you draw, you're driving into work at night and you'll understand this. And, you know, you don't know what kind of like tornado situation you're walking into. I mean, you could be walking in and there's, you know, two women in labor and it's a quiet night and everything's fun, or it could be a total dumpster fire situation. And, you know, you're laboring three people at one time. And I mean, you just never know. So that was very interesting. I loved it though. I mean, the, the bonds that you make with those doctors and nurses as you're working at four in the morning are, I mean, irreplaceable. It's just, it's so much fun. It is. It's fun and exhausting. It's exhilarating and it can just totally wipe you out. (laughs) Oh, it can. I think it will cost years to your life. I mean, that's why eventually I was like, I just can't keep doing this, but I will tell you it was fun in Los Angeles because I did a lot of celebrity births, which was very fun. Fancy. This is exciting. I know. Yeah, I did um, Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck. I delivered their first baby. Wow. Um, I was the nurse for, actually for Kobe Bryant 
and that and their daughter that just passed. Oh my word! Um, wow. Yeah, I did that one, um, and that was interesting. So his wife was in labor, and I remember like he was coming in from a game, and they had to land him in a helicopter on top of the hospital. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did for him to make it to in time for the delivery. Wow. Yeah. I know. There were so many. It was so crazy and fun. That's awesome. And so at what point did you decide that you were going to switch to another path? So I I actually had a mom um, pass away during delivery. It was right after a C-section. Oh. And after that night, it was awful. Um, I took like a, a week off and... Um, and I just was like, I, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. And it was so stressful. Um, and I had a friend of mine call me. He actually was just getting out of residency as a derm and he had just won. So he had won the show big brother the same year that I won the bachelor. And okay. he, um, called and said, Sarah, I, we knew each other from like the reality world. And he was, he said, I want to start this new business, um, doing laser tattoo removal. And, um, we're going to call it Dr. Tadoff. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds really scary. I feel like I, I'm going to be around gang members and bikers. (laughs) And, um, he was like, no, trust me. Like everyone, there's a lot of people out there, Sarah, that are just like us they get those like spring break 1996 tattoos and they want them gone. And so I was like, look, I'll help you. Cause I really need a break from L and D for a while. And so right. I started helping him and we got into it. We opened up four clinics and, um, I ended up really loving it. It was a lot of fun. And, um, and that sort of sent me off into this aesthetic type of career path. Right. Which was interesting for sure. So I want to back up a minute because um, having a maternal death is really hard, not only on the, the family, right, that's been impacted, but the providers as well. Um, yes. And so you took a break. You had a large mental load. Is there anything else that you did? Did you debrief with colleagues? Did you go to counseling? Like, how did you kind of? Yeah. So the hospital, um, they helped us quite a bit. Um, The physicians involved were, I really did not have much contact with them after, but um, definitely with the nurses and people that were there that night. Um, it was, I mean, it was just, it was a crazy situation. She was, it was her first baby. She was African-American. She was 30 and we had been, um, she had pushed for like close to four hours and we, um, went to the OR and it was just gonna, it just felt like it was going to be a normal C-section and then they, she just, she had some sort of underlying health condition with, um, with bleeding and they could not stop the bleeding. Um, she basically bled out in the OR and it was, it was really just, it was devastating. Um, and dealing with her husband after, and you know, the baby was fine. Um, 
but it just, it's one of those things that you'll never forget. I mean, you'll no. never, ever forget. Um, and it definitely impacted that part of my career. I mean, I, I was like, I, I can't do this. So, yeah. you know, and I was young. I mean, I had only been a nurse for maybe five years. And right. I remember working with some women that had been in nursing for 25 years. And they were like, Sarah, this is the first time I've experienced this, you know? And I was just so young in my career to go through something like that. And it was, it was not fun. No. (laughs) That's the worst part. I always say that um, labor delivery is one of the happiest places until it's not, you know, exactly. Small percentage and it's devastating. Yeah. Um, all right. Wow. So when did you decide to go on to The Bachelor? Like where, where were you in your dating life? You were in Dallas still? Yeah. Or, so I okay. graduated from college and um, moved to Dallas. And I actually had been engaged and I had just gotten out of that engagement. I had called it off. And um, it was a guy that I had dated in college. And um and I was single and just kind of enjoying life. And then the nurses actually at Presby Dallas, um, we would watch The Bachelor because it would come on like on whatever night and we were at work. So I would always try to like sneak at my patients, like kind of trick them into putting it on in the, in the room <laughs> so that we can watch it. <laughs> They would be like, um, Sarah, you've been hanging out in your patient's room a lot. I'm like, oh, well, it's that time of night. <laughs> um, so we would watch it and everyone, you know, they basically what happened is that a group of the nurses basically submitted me or nominated me for it. And they took like a picture off my locker and put that in. And then I didn't know about it. They thought they did it basically as a joke. And then I got a phone call from the producers, like, or the, the casting department, um, a couple months later. And they were like, we're going to be in Dallas. Um, can we meet you? And so I went in with one of the nurses that, um, did this. It was actually our nurse manager at the time. And, um, they were so excited. I mean, the whole hospital was just so excited that I made it on and a local celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we filmed at the hospital. Um, they, at, at the end, when we had at the finale night, they did a watch party. Like all the doctors rented out that restaurant that was across the street from the hospital. I forgot what it was at the time. Uh-huh. And, um, and they had the local news channels there. I remember it was like, I think Dr. Fogwell or someone was interviewed. It was someone that like barely knew me. And they were like, we love her. We've been rooting for her the whole time. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. Okay. And so then where did you go for the, I mean, you went on the, the entire journey. Yeah. I mean, we... Journey. Yeah. So that was quite the experience. I mean, I, people think that you have to, um, that they like dress you and do your hair and makeup. And that's definitely not true. I mean, I had to go, I convinced my dad to give me a a credit card and I went to Neiman's and bought all of these dresses Okay, and kept the tags in all of them. (laughs) And I returned them after I won. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah. you were, you were your wardrobe and your makeup. Yeah. I mean, we had to do the whole thing. The only thing they did was at the very, on the last show, they do your, they have someone dress you and do your hair and makeup. But yeah, I had to do everything on my own. And it's still the same today. I know. Um, but yeah, we got to like travel and do fun things. Um, we went on a trip to Aruba and it was actually, I was there that same week that that Natalie Holloway ha thing happened. Wow. Yeah, which was crazy. Um, I mean, we were there at the same time. We didn't know till we got home that somebody had gone missing, but we were there at the same time. Um, <clears throat> and then after the show, they brought us back to Aruba for um, like as a prize for winning or something. And we literally, right after the show aired, we went like about a week later and um, they... I mean, it was so funny. You would die. They had people following us around from like the local newspaper, like a print newspaper. And everything we did the whole week was um, every, every day there was a new photo of what we did that day. And then at the end, they had like a conference and they named us um, as ambassadors of Aruba. And we got like the key to the, to the city or whatever. And they had a concert with, um, they had Queen, the, the Queen, like... I mean, it was so crazy. Um, yeah, it was quite an experience. So at that point, did you guys decide that you're going to live in the same city? You're going to try this out? Yeah. So um, basically, Charlie, we said, okay, you know, I mean, I really didn't know if I was going to like him that much. Um, <laughs> You know, it's not like, oh, it's, it was just love at first sight. But um, in fact, I told my parents at that hometown date, I was like, look, I think I'm going to just tell him that I can't, I don't like him and I'm going to leave at the next episode. But then it, and I, so my parents were thinking, God, she's, you know, she's kind of done. Um, but then I, I got kind of competitive with it. And then I was like, well, God, do I really want to quit now before the, uh, the excursion date and all? And so, um, I just kept going. And then finally I got a chance to call my parents and I was like, you're not going to believe it, but I think he's going to pick me. They were like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, so we, we basically, after the show ended, I mean, I came home, got my car, my dog my luggage. And then he flew with me and we drove back to LA and then I never went back again. Wow. Yeah. So moved to a new life. Yep. And you guys dated for five years. Yeah. We dated on and off when we broke up once in between there for a little bit, but we dated, you know, for five years and, um, and yeah, I mean, it was, you know, we were, he was, he was a great person. We, um, we were really good friends. Um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely a fun life. I mean, you're living right there. I, we lived right off Sunset Boulevard in, in West Hollywood. It was, it was pretty crazy. So when did you decide to move back to Dallas? So, um, in 2009, um, or 2010, I, I knew I just left Dr. Tadoff and taken a job with a, with the device company, a medical device company. And, um, and they were like, yeah, you can live from anywhere. And so I, I had been thinking that, um, Charlie and I had been broken up for about a year 
And I mean, dating in LA was just horrible. I mean, unless you wanted to marry a starving actor slash bartender, I mean, it, it was slim. just, <laughs> yeah. decided to move. I moved right at Christmas in 2010 and, um, yeah. And I met my husband six months later. Wow. Yeah. And so you guys are married and have three little boys now. How old are they? So the boys are eight, six, almost seven and five. So basically I had three. Yeah. I had three kids under the age of three at one point, which is, I don't know how I did that. And people were like, you know, Sarah, you know how people get pregnant. I'm like, yes, I know that. (laughs) But when we chatted, you were telling me that you had, um, a lot of pre menstrual syndromes, some PMDD even. Yes. I mean, and I've always had bad PMS. Um, Mm -hmm. my mom had it, my grandmother had it just the PMS was bad and it was everything from like cramps and just horrible mood imbalances. And, you know, it was just, I've always had it like that. And then after kids, it just got so much worse. And, um, I mean, literally half the month from ovulation on, and I, I'm one of those that I'm very in tune with my body and I can tell when things are happening. I knew always when I was ovulating and I, I, I could feel everything. And, um, half the month I was basically like another person. I mean, my hormones made me unhappy. I wanted to get a divorce. I hated everything. I mean, I just was all over the place. And I couldn't take birth control pills because it made it worse. Anything with hormones made it worse. Um, After one of my kids, I can't remember which one, um, I got, oh, it was after Louie, my middle one. I got really bad postpartum depression. Mm. And um, and I ended up, I knew what, so I got on Prozac, which was a lifesaver. And, um, and then my, Dr. Haygood was like, Sarah, why don't you try the, um, Mirena, the IUD correct? Um, so that you don't get pregnant again. And I was like, well, um, yeah, let's do it. So I, we put it in and I'm not kidding you within two weeks, I was like, take it out immediately. The hormones. I mean, there's such a tiny amount of progesterone only. Okay. It's progesterone. It made me crazy. Um, and so I went in two weeks later and said, take it out. I couldn't tolerate it. Right. Um, and so then I just kind of had to go through the motions of just half the month being horrible. And I eventually got to a point where, you know, I remembered my mom being so grumpy during like PMS time. And I just thought, you know, I've got three boys. I don't want them to remember me being like angry and and I thought, this is a very crazy situation to go to the extreme of having a hysterectomy. Right. Um, but for me, I did not see there being another option. And unfortunately, you know, there's not a lot of physicians out there that go through the different, um, you know, the different scenarios and, and options for you when you suffer from this. 
and even like research. I mean, I, I did a lot of research and there's a lot of blogs written by women that have PMDD mm-hmm. that went through what they did. And that's kind of how I got to the conclusion of the hysterectomy. But I mean, even, even my own doctor, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot that, that she offered me in terms of options. Right. So say I'm going to pause for a minute and make sure that we explain that the, the difference between premenstrual dysphoric disorder and premenstrual syndrome, right? So premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a severe, sometimes disabling extension of PMS. So if you imagine they're on a spectrum, PMDD would be the severe end. Um, although regular PMS and PMDD both have the physical and emotional symptoms, PMDD causes those severe mood shifts that can disrupt your work and damage relationships, as you were explaining. And the symptoms usually begin seven days before your period, and it starts and then continue until the first few days of your period. So really, 10 days plus a five-day cycle, I mean, you are looking at half the month. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's, it, it was bad enough that I, and luckily I was able to notice what was happening. And I feel like I I even know friends that are like, Sarah, maybe that's what's wrong with me. Like they, they have never really put that together. Right. Um, And I think it's something that definitely is not talked about enough. And I think that I think I read somewhere that maybe 20% of women suffer from it, but it's enough of a percentage that we should be helping those people out. I mean, women end up in jail more when they're PMSing. I really think it's true. That's an interesting finding. (laughs) I I didn't want to end up as a statistic. So I went to my doctor and was like, I think I need to direct to me. And she goes, okay, how's Monday? I'm like, I'm open. It's, it's President's Day. Let's do it. So you did, so what I hear you saying is that you felt like your gynecologist really could have spent more time in the realm of these are our options. This is the path for us to get to a solution for you. You did the research yourself and you went in and advocated for the hysterectomy. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I've known her for years through working together and she knows that it's hard for like, once I kind of made my mind up on what I want to do, I just, I'm ready to do it. And, um, I had a really good argument as to why I needed this. And she was like, okay, let's do it. And so I mean, honestly, it was the, first of all, the, it was so easy. It was a, you know, I went in, I had the hysterectomy, they removed my ovaries, everything. Um, and I went home that day and I was up and walking around. I mean, I was totally fine. It was all laparoscopic or vaginally or whatever. Um, it was so easy. You had a robotic total laparoscopic hysterectomy with bilateral salping oophorectomy. Yes. Everything came out. Okay. Everything. Yep. Okay. And, and so um, then you're postmenopausal, surgically yep. postmenopausal at what age? 39. 39. So how did you feel 
uh, in your <laughs> recovery period, other than like physically you're up and you're moving around. That's the awesome thing about having minimally invasive hysterectomy. You know, I always say it's not your mama's hysterectomy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Women, you know, have less blood loss, less pain postoperatively. They're up and about um, and back to life. Until like day two and then the hot, the heat, or what is it called? The hot um, flashes. Hot flashes. Yes. Those set in and the night sweats. And I was like, what's happening? And then I called my doctor and she's like, oh yeah. Um, so now you don't have any hormones. That's one thing that we forgot to talk about. Um, so, and I, and I was fearful. I'm like, what hormones made me crazy before. So, and she said, well, then you can, you know, wait it out, but you're not going to want to do that. And it took me maybe a month and I was like, okay, I need to be on something. And so she gave me, um, some cream that I would rub like on my inner thigh. Um, I think it was estrogen. That's all it was. It was just estrogen. And for whatever reason, my body does not absorb topicals or it didn't at least with those, um, like it, like most people's. Um, and I would forget to do it. You know, it's like that compliance thing. I mean, you just, you know, you have this topical cream that you're supposed to rub on your leg every day, but you also have to like, let it dry and not put on your mom pants right after. And right. So all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, a kid just ran and jumped in my lap and now he has estrogen all over his leg. I mean, it was just too much. I couldn't do it. Right. Um, and so they drew my blood and they were like, yeah, your levels just still aren't where they need to be. And, um, and I asked her about pellets. I'd heard friends of mine that had taken pellets, um, even before going through menopause. And, um, and she was like, honestly, I don't know much about it. I wouldn't, I'm not going to like talk bad about it. And I'm not going to talk good about it. Cause I really just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point I went to visit another physician friend of mine that does do a lot of hormone pellets. Um, and it was life-changing. I mean, life-changing, like the combination of me and I'm still on Prozac from ever since the postpartum depression days. Right. I just, I thought, Oh my God, three kids under the age of three, um, working full time. I just can't manage this without a little something to take the edge off. And, um, the Prozac was just so great that I have honestly, I've just been afraid to ever get off of it. Um, so I, and my, my doctor was like, just stay on it. Most people are. So I did, and it's awesome. And that combined with the hormone pellets that I get, and I don't get them that often. I love the um, the company that that I use is the BioT. Also put me on testosterone and just a tiny bit because mine was depleted, um, and that helped me so much. I mean, I have more energy now. I have libido. I don't have night sweats. I don't have hot flashes. I don't have vaginal dryness. Like I just have, I feel better than I did in my womanhood than I was in my twenties. Wow. That's saying a lot. Yeah. And it's interesting that it didn't, 
uh, worsen your symptoms, right? Um, that right. you were able to take it before when you had your ovaries, but now without your ovaries, you were able to find something that worked for you. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to bring up is that, you know, when women are made surgically menopausal, you know, prematurely menopausal, um, whether it's primary ovarian failure or surgical menopause, um, there is a real benefit to going on hormone replacement therapy. Um, and, you know, prior to, I think it was like 2002 with the Women's Health Initiative, you know, more than 90% of women went on estrogen therapy after having bilateral stopping oophorectomy or having their ovaries out. Um, but then that dropped drastically with the fear of hormones in 2002. So um, I'm happy that we're kind of coming back around to looking at that data carefully and understanding the benefits that women experience um, with, with a hormone replacement. Yes. And we do not prioritize our health. They're, our children are not getting the best versions of their parents. And um, that's physically, mentally, everything. So I think that that is a really big thing that a lot of women, especially, don't um, don't do. They don't prioritize themselves enough, and um, and it's a problem, you know. Yeah, you're you're singing my song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I see it. So I worked in a hormone replacement therapy clinic for a year, developing their gynecology program. In that time, I see women across the lifespan who come in complaining of decreased libido and lack of energy and weight gain and all of the things, um, but also this lack of like really truly seeing themselves, like owning their experiences, owning their power, like coming into an alignment, like I have permission to take care of myself. Right. And so that's why with Sky Women, I have been so adamant that this is a place for you to realign and to come back into yourself as a mom, as a career woman, as whatever your where you find yourself, where you are in life at that point. But it is so important to prioritize your health for your family. It's so important. And what you're doing for these women is, it, I mean, it really does. It, it's going to define them not only as women, but it's going to help them as mothers, as daughters, as wives. Um, you know, we have to start educating women and girls really at a very early age that this is something that they have to do and, and really, you know, prioritize. And I would, for anyone listening, like I would say, look, make 2021, 2020 was so bad. Like, let's just make 2021 the year of you and really prioritizing yourself. You know, you deserve to look good and feel good and have great sex and have that great relationship. And, um, you know, if, if you're not putting your best self out there, then no one else is, everyone's going to suffer. I mean, it's like when mom's not happy, no one's happy. Absolutely. And that happiness really comes from within, you know, it's all within us. We just have to, um, sit with the knowing, I think, you know, we listen to all of the external, we have so much coming at us, so much noise, you know, whether it's social media or TV or the radio, um, friends, et cetera. There's so much coming at us every day. Um, so to sit and pause and 
Like, what is it that really makes me happy? What is it that I need to thrive? What is it that I can do to have the quality of life and the health that I want? Um, when we sit with that knowing and we, we claim it for ourselves, I think that you know, the world is better. <laughs> it is. It is. So that brings me to a really exciting topic that I was um, looking forward to addressing with you as I've met you through Cleavana. And women's sexual health is so important and it's so multifactorial. There's so many aspects to it. Um, But Cleavana is this new device that is really innovative for women's sexual health. So I want you to tell us about it. Sure. So um, I work for Cleavana um, and I was introduced to it through a physician friend of mine in California a year ago. And um, I was just very intrigued. First of all, I wanted to have the treatment done. I was so intrigued by it because basically what this treatment does, it's non-invasive and it helps women to achieve better and more intense orgasms. Um, This is something that, you know, with men, we have been, you know, men have been getting this treatment done forever. Um, whether it's with Viagra or for, um, you know, erectile dysfunction. Um, and there's really been nothing specific for women. I started to talk to some of my friends about this. And I was honestly, I was really blown away by how many women do not experience frequent orgasms. That to me was like, oh my gosh. They're faking Um, it? I think they're faking it. Or tell us exactly how Cleavana works. What is it? It's a, it's four treatments that you're going to do over a two week period. Um, What this is doing, it's actually revascularization and neurogenesis. So you're getting new blood vessels, new nerves. um, So it's helping with sensation and, um, and increasing the blood flow to the area. So, and not many women realize that the clitoris actually has 8,000 nerve endings. The penis only has a thousand nerve endings. So, and the sole purpose of the clitoris, it's actually the only organ in the body that's sole purpose is for pleasure. And so basically we're, we're giving blood flow sensitivity, which is helping with arousal and bringing more blood flow into the area so that when you have an orgasm, not only is it quicker to achieve an orgasm, um, but they're also more intense and you know that you can have multiple ones. So most of the patients that our doctors are treating, I would say are forties and over. Um, after I did it, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have realized like, oh, I have this major issue with this, except for that there's probably, I don't know, 50% of the time I don't have an orgasm. And it's probably because there's, you know, too much going on in my head or too tired or whatever it might be. Um, And now I've noticed that it's, I don't have to worry about that because I know that I'm going to have one pretty much 85% of the time. Um, if I've had too much to drink, like maybe a too many glasses of wine, we might not be there. But <laughs> other than that, um, we're pretty good to go. And and it's not like we have to wait 20 minutes. It happens quickly. So, you know, the pressure's off for him and I. Right. Um, 
and that makes it so much easier and it's more, it's just more enjoyable. I mean, right. You know, you don't have to work as hard for it. Let's do a couple of rapid fire questions to kind of close up. So what is that one thing that keeps you centered? Who working out. Okay. Yeah. I like to work out in the morning or the evening. I I'm an afternoon workouter. I don't like to do it. I have to do it before the kids get home from school. Um, because otherwise I feel guilty. Okay. What's on your nightstand? Um, I'm looking at it right now. I've got <laughs> my, um, my bio tea. Um, I take something called DEM. Yes. A, yeah. So you're familiar. Um, yes. and I take that every day along with my ADK five and, um, and my Prozac and a nail file and a bottle of water. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You've got your pharmacy there. I um, do. A perfect day is, what's a perfect day in Sarah's life? A perfect day is a day spent with my children when, only when they're not fighting, which is rare. Um, You're not the first guest who said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if it could be like nice weather, so we're not stuck inside. Right. Um, cause you know, with boys, we've got to be outdoors. Um, yes. but also not like a hundred degrees. So <laughs> spring or fall, or even like yesterday's weather was phenomenal. Um, and with the kids outside doing something that they all enjoy doing together without the fighting, that would be, that would be a, a great day. Yes. I agree. My kids love to stay outside and play, but it is rare that they're not fighting. Rare. <laughs> I love the laughter and the, the imagination that they bring to life outside. So it is, it's so fun. It usually diffuses the arguments. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It's exciting to hear your story and you have a little bit more glamorous experience than some of us average working moms. (laughs) You know, (laughs) thanks for bringing the glamour to Sky Women. Of course. (laughs) Yes. No, this was so much fun. And thank you for everything you're doing for women. And I think that it's amazing. And yes, everyone, if you're in this area, should go see. Dr. Moyers. Oh, thanks, Sarah.